Welcome to What's Left, a weekly political discussion challenging the mainstream left. I'm Eduardo Barca with co-host, teacher and socialist Andy Lipson, uh, right wing teacher Jessica, and community organizing socialist Kenny Cepeda. We're online at whatsleftpodcast.com. You can find that link to our site in the episode notes. You can also find our personal social media handles as at Don Eduardo Barca and at ZTKE on Instagram, and just his Twitter handle as at jhomie89. Uh, please subscribe, rate, review, turn, turn on your notifications, and share your favorite episode wherever you found this episode. Thank you. All right. So, welcome back, everyone, together, the four of us. <laughs> It's been a while. Yes. And I guess that's where we are coming from for to this, this week's episode. Uh, you know, um, I, I've been out of the country, and... Um, July and August, and now I, it's September. Uh, I was in Colombia, in South, South America, and Jess has been on and off doing other things. So we've had like these uh, intermittent, how would you say intermittent, intermittent, intermittent? Say it, how do you say the word? Intermittent. <laughs> Either one. In, intermittent, one. intermediate. <laughs> intermittent, intermittent uh, visits. Uh, and, then, and, then, uh, and then you were gone one week i think it was andy right yep and kenny's joining us from daddy duties so <laughs> we're very happy <laughs> that you're here kenny so i thought maybe we would have when we discuss this episode that we would discuss like a we would have i i, I call this sort of a potluck episode we each bring what we've to the table what we were going through and of course our lives are political and everything that we do is political and So I, I, I thought we would do a check-in, and now that Kenny's here, then we would all have a personal take on what we've been doing, what's going on with us. Uh, there are some things for me that are uh, to the forefront for me, and, and I expect everyone else will have something to share that's a contribution to what's left and to our audience. So that's all we do. The personal is here. So what does that sound like to everyone? Yeah, and maybe just to give people a better sense of what you'll be hearing when, when Eduardo first pitched this idea, actually, and I don't know, if, I don't know Eduardo, if you're going to talk about this, but yeah. you're going to talk about immigrate, no love and immigration and the border, you know, like you were yeah. going to talk about, you've just been experiencing this and you were like, Andy, I think this is going to be a more personal thing. And I was like, yeah, well, and I was like, I guess that's what each of us is going to bring this time. Like Jessica and Jessica had gone through something that she shared with us, which I, she may talk about in a subsequent week, but So I think we're we're going to hopefully go a little deeper personally in terms of what's going on with us in relationship to something, you know. Yeah. I mean, it could be many things, but I think that's the idea. And and uh, Jessica is calling this or dubbed this a, a personal potluck. So I think that's yes. what we're going to hear. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, yeah. So that was the idea originally, and I had lots to share stories and wonderful things and i also have been reading a lot on because i i read sometimes books about the border and this is love across borders and it's all about passports and the bureaucracy and how people are separated and the division that it causes and so it, it's it was very much something that i had been present to when we had discussed this episode but there are the things that we can that are just looming in my brain and so It's unfortunate. Anyhow, why don't we start? An episode. I think we should do an episode on love and the border sometime. Yeah. Yep. It would be. It would be very nice. And I also had someone I had wanted us to have here, 
that speaks English and that could share and try to sort of convey what that's like, you know. Anyhow, um, so maybe we can start off by... I feel like people really want to hear from Kenny. Okay, let's do Kenny. Kenny should go first. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, why don't you go first, Kenny? Yeah, so we have an update from you and also you just, wherever you're at. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess the the question I, I I started to think about was, you know, the one that was posted on our group about, you know, how the world, um, the current world, you know, is coming onto us, right? Like how it's affecting us. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I uh, my daughter was born uh, three months ago, tomorrow. Um, and so I've been on daddy, daddy duty, you know, and that, that has been the most beautiful and the most stressful process that I've ever gone through. You know, it, it doesn't stop. It's every day. Um, and I think previously I've mentioned that um, a lot of the stressors are, are not even the baby. You know, she's great. Like she's doing her own thing. It's just the things that make it difficult to be present for her, you know, the, the way she needs me to be. And not just her, my partner too. And so, you know, this, in this process, you know, the baby came along in the process of moving outside, out of San Francisco, you know, after getting fed up with everything that was going on, you know, the lack of traction of, you know, just working uh, to make ends meet and, 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 and losing some friends in the process of the whole vaccine stuff, you know, in in lockdowns and masks, um, losing some people that I thought that would be there for the long run. And, you know, so a process being a parent that's, I already figured would be isolating because it's a change, um, became extra isolating, you know, in that process of, you know, rebuilding my, my, Close circle, I guess, you know, and, and, and finding ourselves more isolated and leaning on our families. And, and, and I guess what brought what that question that you said, the, the current world, uh, how is that affecting us? I thought it was going to be about the mandates. I thought it was going to be about, you know, um, the vaccine stuff. But it's, it is in some ways. Um, but I think that the thing that's brought up is how our families you know, show up for us uh, or, or not, you know, in the difficulties. And it still goes in full circle, goes back to the world because like some of the questions that, you know, Crystal and I have navigated about the way we want to educate our daughter um, in the in the world that's, you know, changing super fast, right? Uh, in the world of AI, in the world of constant screens, in the world of excess uh, consumption, you know, um, and it turns out that it's a challenge to uh, engage with our parents about that. You know, where it used to be that screens were bad, now we have to tell our parents, hey, can you make an effort to not be on the screen in, uh, in front of our daughter? Uh, you know, to, and, um, and, and not just that, but also uh, excess giving. You know, we, we don't want her to grow up with just having all the toys laying around. We want her to appreciate certain things. We want her to engage with nature, with it, to engage with the book, to engage with you know the, the world in front of us and, and, the, and the people around us. And, and it's created some tension and it's brought up a lot of things in both of us. Um, realizing that our parents um, 
have sort of skipped us and, and and we no longer are their kids their grandparents and no longer parents and in in us trying to um, i guess um communicate our desires and why you know it, and, and, and the reality is that we haven't had the conversation as to ex expose exactly why it is wh where we see the world going why we think it's important that we need to fight in these spaces, right, for, for our daughter. Um, but it's creating tension and, and hurt. It's brought up hurt that we didn't know was there, I think, at least for me. I didn't know it was there, but it's been affecting me so much when I realized that my mother doesn't ask about me how I am doing, you know, how I'm handling this process uh, or, or battling me, you know, questioning why I'm cutting my work hours from 60 hours a week. 10, 11, 12 hour days, six days a week to part-time, you know, and, and just being anxious about the money and not the emotional part. And so I don't know if you have any questions, uh, but that's kind of the, the biggest area I've been struggling with um, because moving outside of San Francisco, I was expecting um, more family time. And the other thing I realized is that it's hell everywhere. And we thought we were going to see, you know, my partner's parents uh, more often, but they're working all the time, too. Everyone's working all the time. And so it makes me wonder, how do you make family? How do you keep your family together? If you just had a grind every day, if, you know, just and that doesn't get questioned, you know, it's just the way it is. You know, and I guess our parents have been just completely beating into that position where we're like, it's just the way it is. You just have to grind it out and you just have to work. And, and that's the way it's always been. That's the way it's, it's always going to be, probably. And it's so hard to deconstruct some of these things. Um, and us trying to create something new in, in a world that, yeah, it, that's how it is for a lot of people. You know, and, and trying to go against the tide is hard. And asking an emotional presence of our parents with all this in, you know, in mind is so hard. I fear the day where I have to handle the parental dynamic with like children. Um, I'm curious, I guess, well, I don't know, Andy, I think you had a question, but should I just, well, if we're, if it's conversational, I think the thing that comes up for me in some ways, Kenny is, you know, I've been talking with Miss Tom, you know, uh, and she's a grandma now and she struggles with, with, you know, she struggles with her relationship with her daughter. And it's interesting. I wonder what you can tell me what your what either your parents or Crystal's parents are going through. But in many ways, that I, I even think that she's kind of skipping um, her daughter <laughs> because there's 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 a struggle with her relationship with her daughter, and and yet she feels closer to her daughter in the purest way in which she relates to the granddaughter, meaning that in some ways I feel like that the, the grandmother gets to actually experience the, the untroubled relationship that they had with the daughter by having this kind of their own sort of, you know, untarnished relationship with the, with the granddaughter. But it, but there's a way that it, it, a skipping goes, goes on there, you know? So for the grandmother, the reason she's so excited about the granddaughter is because of the daughter, but she's 
dealing with the daughter, the granddaughter in a particular way. So that's what I'm thinking about as I as I listen. And because I've, I've been hearing more of a, I've been hearing, I think discussion is more with a grandparent, if you will, than the parent. Isn't that like kind of a common or like considered to be a common dynamic where like, like the skipping of the generation, even with like certain trades. I don't know. It's definitely true in my family. Like my grandmother, my maternal grandmother really clashes with my mom and my mom and I really clash, but my gran and I have like a super tight relationship and we like, yeah, it's like not really any of the tension, but I think some of that like is, yeah, I get what you're saying. Anyway, Kenny. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you have any thoughts or questions. Um, but uh, I, I guess you know, what comes up for me is um, I I've worked in elementary school. I have fostered uh, a child, and then now I'm involved in my nephew's life. So it's like I see what you're describing in families where I have worked with them directly in element from like families who come to. To, well, families from from elementary schools, and they they struggle with the grind. They struggle with the family dynamics, and 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 then you have on top of that layered with the other members of that community that like teachers, counselors, or even just tios, tias, and other members who are like neighbors that live in the mission district. And you have everyone involved, and so that makes you know this this whole thing. A challenge, but also a beautiful thing because you have different people who are involved in a child's life. But I see this happening, and I see how living in a system that's what we have currently, a capitalist system, makes it very difficult for people to to be present and to be there with their kids. I know for me, it was it was a challenge uh, when I had uh, to to raise uh, uh, a former student. And then, and and I don't always have the support, and, and no one talked, or I guess I didn't share enough, or I felt like maybe my feelings were not validated enough to share where I was coming from with the struggle of having to provide when I thought it was going to be uh, a group, a team, <laughs> to provide in the same effort, but it wasn't, and so that was a challenge, and and, uh, and we just need to create more systems where we are family oriented, child literate where we come together and it takes more than two parents. And it does take a lot of conversations. I have this struggle with my brother and his, uh, my nephew's grandmother, and then the other side of the family where I have to intermediate and be um, sort of the bridge between two families where sometimes we have disagreements from with a multi-cultural and multilingual child here, you know, and and it's a struggle to, to find that. But it's a lot of communication, a lot of communication. That's the only thing that comes up for me. So <laughs> I sympathize a lot with the 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 daily la vida cotidiana, the the daily cotidiano is like the the daily routine the daily life of having to do everything you know well and part of the tension that i was hearing in your comment kenny is like 
okay everybody knows like yeah it like takes a village to like raise a child or whatever and like yeah we need to go back to more communal all that <laughs> stuff but then it's like you try to do that in whatever small way you can hey grandparents come on over and then you're kind of experiencing this clash of values where like the village is not or like whatever mm-hmm. whatever fragment of a village you can actually conjure in this moment is not like aligned with how you're wanting to raise your child which is like it's like double double you know problematic can i have one thing to that and then kenny i because i i think i would be misspeaking if i thought of this as just oh well this is this is always this generational thing i mean i think these kinds of things have gone on but we are at a particular moment where the one generation is being targeted upon which a, a future will be built and another generation, our generation and older, is being discarded and cast aside. And that separation is intentional. But the, the awareness of that is not, is not, we're, the awareness of that process is not unanimous. Like some of us see it, and then some people are not seeing it, and that can create divisions. Yeah, I mean, you know, this whole thing about community and it takes a village, you know, has definitely come up. And, and, you know, I talked to some, a Punjabi coworker who's very young, but just recently migrated from, you know, Punjab to here. Um, and he talks about how, like, like he asked me, where, where is your mother? Where is, you know, her, her mother? Because, like, when it comes from, it's like they help, you know, and, like, they're part of that, you know. It's, it's just, like, part of the process of raising a kid. And, and, you know, we're by ourselves. We have to clean our house. We have to, you know, cook. We have to, you know, do cut the, 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 you know, the grass. We have to buy food. We have to, you know, go to work. We have to change the kid. We have to, all these things, right? And, and, and this is where that disconnect happens, right? Like, so in one end, my mother remembers her upgrade, you know, bringing a kid. But then I examine her experience and I ask her questions, you know, like, did someone hold that kid for you? Because if someone just holds that kid for a fucking meal, it gives a breather to the parent. So just being in a community, you know, in that sense, it's already a big help. You know, never mind sharing values, right? And like you said, Libson, like I do see that more that there's a greater gap, you know, of uh, in in let's bring technology, just technology itself. I see how people that are like uncles to Crystal, Crystal. Uh, like they're struggling with technology. You know, they're very handy people, very like capable of building a house from fucking zero or, or, or you know, doing a lot of labor, but then they need help to apply for a job. You know, and, and so it, it, that might and that, that might be seeming like something like which just goes over our head, but it is to me, it signifies this massive gap, you know, in, in you know, I think about like my um, like young adult life, and that happened before the iPhone. I went to college before the iPhone. It started college. And now, like, that, that changed things, right, like, in, in massive ways. Now we're talking about AI, right, in the way. And, so, and it's also going to change the way we relate even more in, in more obstructive ways. You know, the phone itself has already, like, separated a lot of people from that human one-on-one contact, right, in... in you know, of course, it's about work, but it's it's about relationships, and so I just can't imagine that 
you know, that is creating these these issues. It, 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 how do we keep that village? How do we share those values? How do we interact on a day to day so we can hash out those conflicts that will arise? You know, in, in, in how we it, because. My my parent, my mother, and my brother are far two hours away. I see them every two three weeks, maybe, and you know, like I feel more distant from them because we're not in that proximity. And so dealing with these issues, it just gets magnified. I mean, all I can say is that seems difficult, and. That these things are hard as they are. I just feel like again, this moment in time is making it more difficult for people to like actually uh, be genuinely in, engaged with each other and going in the same direction. You know, and and just like the last thing about this is that. So that's my family, and and I don't even want to get started on like the circle of friends that. If you're not present on social media and that the digital world, you don't exist, you're dead. Mm. Like to this day, no one has fucking reached out. Like maybe one person reached out today, actually. And anywhere everyone else, we're dead. We're socially dead, basically. Because we don't we we don't post pictures of our daughter online. And we don't wanna do that bullshit, you know. Like we've also realized, at least I have for sure, like I don't want that, you know, like. I want the real thing, and, and but making the real thing is hard when everyone is working all the goddamn time. Do you, do you, your social circle, are you saying, Kenny, that your social circle from, and, and Cristal's social circle are not as active as it once was? It's not? I would say that people we thought were going to be there are not there. And, you know, and that's okay. You know, like everyone has their own, we all have our own struggles, whatever we have to do. And I understand the physical distance also, you know, it, it's real. And, but I guess what I'm commenting on is that the only way you relate and I guess you get to know someone else is if you're on social media, you know, and, and, and it's also about work, you know, because if I don't have a LinkedIn, apparently that's gonna make it harder for me to get employed. You know, and so it's just all the facets of life, I guess that I'm trying to bring that everything is just much harder to relate to people, to trust people, to build relationships with people because I, I, we're having to start from zero, you know, a new community. And, and it's been so hard to just like, you know, get started, I guess, at least for me, like I expected things to build up faster than they have. Mm. And I just, I don't see it coming. I don't see that happening anytime soon. And I don't wanna, uh, you know, go through the social media stuff uh, in order to have those relationships. Um, you know, we're only two hours away from San Francisco. You live in a largely Latino, um, uh, community do you do you not find that you have commonalities with other people your neighbors or people in that community to be able to to build something with but again it's that thing that i brought i bring it back to work i thought that he coming to this area we were going to have the barbecues on the weekend you know we were going to have you know see each other you know at least on the weekends right like 
the nine to five, have, live life on the weekend type of shit. But it turns out, no, people have to work six days a week, you know, or, or, you know, or work long hours, you know, or have a side hustle. And that's what I realized out of all this. This area is not different than San Francisco. It's just more spread out. Mm-hmm. Like people are just spread out going through the same shit, you know, essentially trying to make ends meet. Yeah. Cristela is like a new mom. Does she have, like, I assume she's experienced it because you're saying we is experiencing probably the same, if not more isolation because she's not even working right. Does she have like any friend, like other friends? Um, like mom, moms in the community. Yeah, or? there is like a family member, a cousin, uh, but uh, you know, I, I don't want to speak for her, but you know, I know that similarly, maybe people that we thought were gonna be there are not there, and it's hard to also just, in a way, we're mourning, right? Like who we used to be, and, and that was gonna happen regardless. I just think that. Um, it just hurts more because, you know, like, I guess social media is supposed to be this community bullshit, but it's not. Yeah. Would you ever, well, like, start your own business or anything like that? I Yes. I mean, like, uh, because... You know, but I don't... I mean, you've managed. Like, I feel like you have must have... I really know. Yeah, I do. I, right now, it's hard. You know, we have to, like I said, we don't have help. We don't live with our families. Like, you know, a lot of people. Um, and and so, yeah. I mean, that that's ideal. I I've thought about it. No food, right? But it's also an ideal. It's also a grind. It's also long hours. I will have some self determination, I guess. But it is a grind. You know, I I don't see that as a romantic thing. You know, like. Mm-hmm. As long as I love it, like that will be a reward, right? But you know, it's still gonna be the same hours, uh, and for a lot of risk. And you know, I want to, you know, I, that's the only avenue. I, I I understand why people have that appeal, right? Of having yeah. their own boss, but it, it's a grind, you know. And in order to be able to do something sustainable, um, and especially having a family that needs uh, health insurance, you yep. know, a baby that needs health insurance and things like that, or um, so yeah, starting your own business, starting your own business is like, is like giving birth to another child. You gotta, you would have to like, it's a, it's a lot of initial, let alone the financial outlay. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of time. Yeah. But it's in the back of my mind, but it's just, it, it, you know, you leave, that's another, that's the last lesson I guess I'll share that I've, I've, I've learned is like, you're just jumping from traps. <laughs> To trap to to see you know where you land you know hopefully in somewhere that you're safe but there's traps everywhere. Yeah, maybe in my share I will come back to Kenny's because it's related to family and the network of family and values and so I have something. Then do yours next. Why don't you to go into it then? My. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, what Kenny, I was just typing some notes from what Kenny was sharing and uh, because it's related to, I think, the need for uh, the way that we 
value children and family in our society and how um, I often feel that the way that we run things is just so that we can function as a society, right? We're just creating workers in school and that's, that's just basic it. So it's schools are just for that. It's not, it's not really to take care of our children and nurture them in the most wholesome way possible to teach them about being in touch with nature. It's about getting them to have grades and having them grow up to become efficient and know how to raise their hands and follow orders. And so I, I, uh, I feel as if uh, what happens is you have these uh, fragmented or you have broken families that are in need of support. And a lot of the times what happens is people have breakdowns in these families, you know, and, and I have experienced this on a personal level, the breakdowns when you don't have, in this case, Kenny and, and Cristal have, uh, I assume, uh, Kenny, you might correct me, the tools to be able to deal with maybe the conflicts that arise that naturally are going to arise in the human relationship. And, uh, and you know, I, I've seen many, um, even in my own, in my personal life, my, my parents not able to deal with the stress, the anxiety of work life and balance their life with also their children's life. And maybe that's part of the reason why I just never seen myself having children because even in the 10 years that I dedicated to a former student that was under my care, I saw how difficult and challenging it was to be able to be there as a provider and as well as emotional support and to deal with the, the very fact of just raising a human child, a human into adulthood and the difficulties of letting go and the emotional capacity one needs to be able to deal with all that because you're just, it's an emotional toll. And so I have been discouraged um, to have my own children and 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 have just wanted to become uh, like a nurse shark, and and be there for others. And so I do that in my nephew's life. But this week um, has been uh, a climatic week in the last two years of uh, legal battles between my brother and his partner, and. And for me, this is the fourth, like, this is what's, what I'm present to. And unfortunately, I wish I had discussed something else, but I'm very clouded by uh, um, some conclusions drawn out this week by a legal system that I think is not the best. And unfortunately, it's the system that we have, a judicial system that always resolves things in the most efficient and non a uh, whole holistic way and how I wish I could see things play out. Um, so um, in the crossfire of all these things, who is affected? Did I get cut off? You're good. In the crossfire of all these things who are affected is my nephew and everybody else in between families. And so uh, I, without going too much into into the details because I'm not allowed to speak uh, regarding some of the legal issues. Uh, all I can just say for basic understanding, two parents having a conflict and it being resolved 
in a court system is not the best way. That's it. That's all I'll say from, from there. Anyone else can sort of guess what it is and it doesn't really matter because what matters is what I'm going to share, which is the, I, I constantly see how as the court system attempts to resolve an issue, you see how it pits families against each other, really. And in, in two cases, in, in, a, in, in, a, in a case where lawyers have to win for their reputation or for their, to gain something, right? Like the, a lawyer will always paint the other parent as the bad guy. Or the bad person, and and so there are so many. I was in court, and so many gotcha moments trying to tag. And here you have two parents who are emotionally distraught, attempting to deal with the pain of the aftermath and what's going to be drawn out. And you have two lawyers painting one another like they're the villains. Each one, what? No, they're the villain. No, that's the villain. And 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 I could see myself just looking from afar how I have love for these two families. You know, one being my biological family, the other one who I've grown and cherished and loved for over 10 years, uh, being the partner of my of my brother and 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 also just the mother of my nephew. And after all the court jury and 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 all this judge and all this court stuff and being and walking in with your suit and everything. It, after all of this is said, all of this is said and done. You you're left with the remains of family, like the, the dynamics and what's happening and and the emotional toll this has. And I am the one cleaning up a lot of the times the mess because of the intermediator that I have had to be in this family for very long. And I wish we would have alternative just judicial systems like a more mediation and arbitration and 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 support and and healers and and the need for more um i think holistic doctors and therapeutic ways to be able to deal with conflict because being a parent is difficult already so i think a lot about how could there has how could these conflicts have been resolved differently? And I see both sides with different points of view, parenting styles. And the one thing I wish that we had in our schools, which we don't have, is families being there as a way, like a hub, you know, like a community hub to deal. Like it wouldn't really be a school then, right? It would be more of like a center for family I don't know what you'd call it, family healing or family, a center, a womb, so to speak, a hub for people to go to. And we'd have doulas and we'd have uh, women in, uh, dealing with other women's issues and men dealing with men's issues, you know, and having a, a lot of healing take place and children uh, in intergenerational schooling, well, not schooling necessarily, unschooled, but really more of like having these uh, where the older mentor the younger and you have families uh, supporting the ones who more experienced, the other uh, more um, newer parents, and that's the kind of thing I think I, I see in 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 and I envision in in our in our uh, schools 
I have to say schools because that's what we have at this moment. And it just pains me to see how our kids, the children have to go through the aftermath of what is supposed to be fast, efficient, decision. And you don't have moments to even, as I remember being in the court, you don't even have moments to explain and share what's really going on because you have a judge cutting you off. You have a lawyer getting to what the questions have to be and your responses have to be yes or no. And it has to be just facts. And what is presented as facts is only supposed to support the other person's uh, um, case or the other, the opposite case. And it's just pitting against each other. And then you have a jury that's only, that's divided, having to make one conclusion and not having like multiple statements of like how they felt about it. You know, it's just, so if they're supposed to come in and to be a part of this healing process, which is, isn't healing anything or to resolve this issue, there is so much separation and uh, close um, or uh, just, uh, just everything so managed is what I'm saying. So um, as I'm dealing with just my personal feelings, I, I think about, Kenny, your experience, but I think of it like, oh my goodness, how the beginning or the when you have a baby, when you have an infant, the small conflicts that arise within your family, that when your child gets older, that, that uh, becomes more complex over time because you have a child that's developing a mind of its own and now pushing back. And then you have different family, different family members attempting to try to deal with that. And in that you have a lot of disagreements and those disagreements become so much bigger than what it's supposed to, than, or what it is it's very uh, confrontational to deal with those disagreements. So I, I guess I've been rambling a lot and, and what I'm just trying to share is how, um, empathetic I am to the challenges of parenting, the challenges that our children have to carry in a world where um, things are supposed to be clear cut facts and not seen. It's like a doctor visit. You're not asked how long have you felt this way? And if there's an emotional thing that's affecting your body, instead, you're just being asked, what are your symptoms? And will have some cure for it with a medication or something like that. And there's no way to deal with it in an emotional way or to look at other ways, a spiritual, physical, and a mental way. And so um, uh, that's what I have to share more than anything. It's just like, I would like for us to have, I remember studying in permaculture because permaculture, sometimes permanent culture, right? It's sometimes just seen as like gardening, but it is a whole um, area of, uh, I studied more how to grow food, how to have sustainable um, um, uh, sustainable food forest, uh, and trying to have layers of uh, food grow at different times so that you can always have food throughout the year. But there are so many other areas. I remember uh, nonviolent communication that was building and constructing uh, eco-villages and how to deal with uh, economics. And so these are the things that I feel if we had a more... Um, if we were driven and, and to to really learn how to deal with conflicts, I think the the what we have shown here and what's left to have disagreements, to agree to disagree, and even in our personal lives, like I feel some of us have dealt with very difficult issues and we had to talk about them. 
and how to deal with that. It's like, there's so much human communication that has to be dealt with. It's only natural that we'll have conflicts in even our, in our organizing. So, um, I guess that's, that's what I have to bring to the table and what I'm present to. It's just the tools in a revolution will include the personal and the human aspect of it. And that is to deal with us, you know, I don't know how we can just discuss. Um, I don't know how we can just discuss like <laughs> political theoretical things about actually dealing with ourselves as human beings. No. And that starts from birth. That's a lot. And I'm going to cut a lot, <laughs> but if anyone else has something to say to what I'm bringing up, you can, I don't know if I made any sense. And I'm also kind of a little intoxicated with some decisions and conclusions made from this verdict. So I apologize if I'm not fully coherent. <laughs> Can I say something real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. For me, it just shows the importance of what I'm doing right now. Like, not just me, what we're doing. You know, that we know, like, you know, Crystal and I know that we have to be good, you know, like, in order. And, like, for us, we've said it together. Money is not the priority. We'll fucking manage you know, uh, keeping our family together is the, what's important because this is the first aspect of community, at least for me, you know, the first, you know, and it expands. And, and so if we're good, you know, we'll be able to fend off other things as much as we can, right? Like, but we, we, and this is why I talk about my parents, right? Like that I, I check in with me, you know, how are you doing? You know, how are you handling this moment? You know, because we are raising a, a next generation. In, 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 in and in just hearing this, right? Like, I don't want to get there ever, you know, fuck this system, obviously. I don't want to have that system mediate, you know, because it's a system that was built for something else. It's not to, for justice, it's not for health. It, you know, it, it's about property at the end of the day in, in, in expropriation and division and segregation and punitive bullshit, you know? And so we don't ever want to get there, you know, we don't think we'll get there, but even before that, it, it's just the, 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 you know the ground, the, the principles, seeing what's important, you know. And, and I'd rather work less right now and figure it out, eat rice and beans, you know, like we did growing up, and, and, and but have a lot of time with our kid, that we'll see our faces, you know, that, that we'll see us smile and be kind to you know and tend to you know them. And, and I think that's more important than anything else. And and, and sadly, we live in a world that not everyone has that opportunity. We have some support that allows that right now. And, and some other people, I just imagine how they can't. And they're, like you said, they're not even aware of what's going on with them. Why they're so fucking stressed out. Why they're so much conflict. You know, why are you rich? I've had those moments. Like I've had to deal with that. But, you know, like you said, I'm a little unfortunate to have the partner that I have. Yeah, I... I want to stress that what I want to, uh, what I, what I'm, what I'm trying to convey is that sometimes we discuss uh, abolishing the police state or abolish, like you know, or 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 bringing down, like it it really does take a practice and. We have to work together 
to try and create some communities like what I've seen in Mexico, where there are three or four communities that I, I know of that I've spoken about before, where they have, they're not depending on their government to take care of them from, you know, from crime or from narcotraficantes, which are uh, drug trafficking. You know, they have taken up arms for themselves. And really, um, that is the real abolishing of the state police. It's not just defunding a system. That's they taking it upon themselves and creating a system for them that works or the Zapatistas in, in their case, right? I, and they're, they're not the most perfect examples. I don't want to idealize always uh, those communities, but they are on, in the process of creating those those that system for themselves that works for them in the community and it's evolving. And and what I, I, I hope to do in my work and what this relates, the family stuff that I'm going through in my personal and life in my organizing is I hope that, um, you know, it, this is just the, the work that I have to continue building on is that I create the system that works best for my community in my relationship with the Latino mission district community that I'm building with in particular with my nephew's school, which is to do something outside of a micromanaged system like having an overseer, in this case, a principal or, an, or another person trying to create something that is by the book, so to speak, but rather take, um, taking up an alternative system that we create for ourselves, right? And accountability does not always look like, um, uh, as you said, punitive, Kenny, and doesn't always have to look punitive. It means different things in, a, in, a, in every community. And I hope that in my work, and in my from my experience, having gone through uh, a, uh, the legal system with my family, that that I could potentially create what I'm talking about, all the things I mentioned, which is mediation and uh, more family support. But I have to work with other people that I hope want the same thing, right? And that's that's the future. I think that's the future that. I look forward to is having other workers be in community with me to build these networks, to build a system where we can hold each other accountable and 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 support one another um, for the for our kids, but for ourselves as 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 well, right? And that's what I I hope to build on. Uh, so I don't want to just speak uh, highfalutin things about theoretical things or things I've studied. I want to apply it in the communities that I'm with. And so looking forward to this school year, I hope that I can continue building on those relationships with other families and that we can take care of ourselves and provide that support for one another. One hour of therapy a week, I don't think does it for a lot of people. And I'm not dismissing therapy doesn't work. I have therapy myself and I, and I, but I'm saying like, it takes more than that, you know, and, and and, uh, and and these preventative measures hopefully won't lead us to have the conflicts that my personal family has gone through, you know. And overturning what a school means. <laughs> That's my hope. Bringing in more healers and artists and doulas and midwives and exposing people to alternative views at my school, which is what I hope to do.
anyone can comment. Thank you. That's all. I think that's it. So I'm trying to make a bit more coherent in, in this moment than what I just rambled about. <laughs> Go ahead, anybody. So I think it's interesting, you know, you said you were going to talk about the justice system. Um, and I do feel like your summary of like, we've, it's a, this is another lesson of we have to figure this out for ourselves. Um, but it's, you know, you hear about, you hear about the death penalty, you hear about police brutality, you know about this, we know about these three strike laws. We know, like we can use that as the mechanism for exposing the criminal justice, justice system doesn't work or the justice system is no justice. But it's interesting how I listen right now to just the story of, of two people who love a child and possibly love each other or did love each other and are now, you know, they're in conflict. And I see this institution being brought in, this justice system. And I'm reminded again that this, it is not a just, it's a control institution. It's a division institution. The same way our education system is not that. It's a control institution. A different kind of, like each of these has their own way of controlling. But it, I'm just reminded that these these things cannot be brought in. Like it's like it's like inviting the United States to help you with your war. They will they will fucking take over and it's over for you. Like they will they will destroy your country and have you and have everyone bloody in Ukraine for themselves. And that's what you invite in. I don't I'm not blaming. I'm just saying that that that's just the system here. It's like you bring the just system in and it's gonna fuck everything. Like it will fuck you. And you bring the education system, you bring the medical system in, and it will fuck you. And it, it's a control institution, each of these. And then in their own, I, I'm flattening things out too much to think, to say it's just the same word, because they each have their own ways of doing it. And and they, they have different ways. Like I think of educational systems as dividing families. I think of medical systems as dividing people internally, their body from themselves. And I think of the just system as as, as, as dividing people because actual justice would require conversation would require time together difficult and 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 painful and there might be yelling involved there might even be violence involved but it requires people to engage one another and this justice system like like you said all right, we're going to set you. We're going to line you up, and you you make the best case you can against your opponent. And we're going to line the other side up, and we're going to make the best case against you. Can. Like and lie, basically lie to do that, right? Because you're 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 we're not trying to get at the truth, but our side is just going to smash the other side, and this side is going to smash, and we're going to put you together and 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 have you make a giant collision, you know, over a course of two years, and and we'll destroy your families. That's what we'll do. And it's just it's just interesting to me how I listen to this story, a very modest story of the justice system operating. And I'm, I'm being struck. And I don't know if it's just because of the time. And I'm just hearing it. it. It's striking me deeper than even hearing about three strikes. You know, a person going to jail for 25 years for a fucking selling or stealing a pizza, so-called stealing a pizza. I, that's horrible. But this is coming in just as much about how rotten, not just how this shit doesn't work and has to go. Yeah, all of that, and then like your school thread, and like hearing your kind of like vision, Eduardo, for I guess a community center, for lack of a better term. 
yeah, you got me thinking about like, what, what is a school? And what would it mean to like, you know, knock down that whole institution or that whole building versus, I don't know, like reform and stuff. And yeah, I'm just eternally in this existential, uh, not eternally, but still being a teacher for the upcoming school year. Lots of like existential questions about like, what, what am I doing on my <laughs> mind? Because <laughs> your vision sounds lovely. You would be needed in a, <laughs> a lot of things that we could use wherever you are you know it's like uh i think i thought about our conversation when you were here about some women's center you know <laughs> mm-hmm. anyhow uh i don't want to spend us too much time on on this i think kenny and i have overtaken the conversation around family and children and and just parenting maybe someone else can uh go in you guys are such downers, but somehow I still want to have kids. Why? Why? Sounds <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Andy, do you want to go, or what? Do you want me to go, or Jessica? I'm going to ask you. You, 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 you can decide. You can because Eduardo has given up. He's he's not willing to take the power we have given him. So you decide. Do you want to do, or should, should I you go? go. I cold. Okay. I cold call All right. Andy. All right. So. Ironically, as much as I thought this was going to be um, different, like we were going to talk about different things, and I guess we are, um, I think I'm going to give another example of, of, of talking about cracked communities and trying to mend them. Um, and my, I feel like mine is, is a good one. Like mine is like, I, I'm upbeat. Um, I just want to say first off, we're all, we all see the same. I think we all see the same rotten world. Um, but I think Kenny's right when he says we've got to start with our family. And I'm, I'm going to use family in a very broad term. Obviously, I'm married to Brandy. Um, but I, when I speak of family, as I talk about this, Brandy, Gizmo, Joe, my mom, Brian, Eduardo, Kenny, Jessica, Jake, you know, like, uh, uh, Brian, Miss Tom, Jennifer, Hema, you know, it's like, uh, that's a family. Um, and what I have seen or what's going on for me right now is like, first off, I was uh, the Wisdom Warrior person who heads up the Wisdom Warriors reached out to me on the basis of our RFK episode that we had. We talked about, would you vote for RFK? And he was like, he goes, I, I'm not really sure I'm going to be voting for FK, but I, I, I saw this episode and I thought it was interested in, and I was like, Andy, would you be willing to speak at our event, uh, you know, about, about the position of not voting for RFK? And I want to bring somebody who would vote, have a debate and discussion, da, da, da. And he wasn't able to find somebody who, who wanted to debate me. And I didn't want to debate anyone. I actually just wanted a discussion. I said, you know, so I was like, I'm not sure that's the best way to do it. Let's just have a discussion and people bring different points of view. and and. And he had gotten some pushback from people around him where we're like, why are you having this discussion? Why do we need this discussion? And that was coming from people who were like, who kind of feel like if it's RFK or nothing kind of thing, you know, and he was like, he was very struck like by almost a kind of low level censorship that was taking place. And I said, well, 
I think that's the thing to kind of talk about. Like, I, that's why I want to, I hope we can do this because I want to, I want to do something that what's in that area of what's left is trying to do, which is trying to make it so that people who have different points of views can actually communicate with each other. And we went ahead and did that. And there was a lot of people there that were most, mostly RFK supporters, RFK junior supporters. Um, we talked for two hours. Um, and I made sure that like, I said, I'll talk for two minutes about why I'm not. And then anybody who wants to talk, we'll talk because we wanted a lot of different voices. Um, and it wasn't just going to be me speaking for 20 minutes and other people speaking for two minutes. We were like, I'll get my two minutes and everyone else gets their two minutes. And then we can just go round and round and round. And it was a great discussion. And I think people did see that they were on different pages, but we came away with it. Like, I think people understood why some of us wouldn't vote for RFK. And I think, again, we heard from people what, what they hoped would come of the vote, you know, kind of thing. And that was very affirming for me. And, and so that's, I just, so that's like an outcome of what we're doing. Um, and I'm proud of that, but it's also been the case that like Hema reached out to me or, you know, came over the other day with her, you know, husband Jorge and, um, who lost, who had to put down his dog, you know, and, and, you know, was kind of grieving about that. And she was like, you know, we watched and they're, they're trying to get pregnant. Um, and she goes, we watched that episode on the one where Jay and JD were talking about the, 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 the medical system in terms of getting pregnant and, and giving birth. And Hema was like, man, that was an awesome episode. I'm so glad I watched it. You know, it's like, and it, for her, it was, it reaffirmed everything that she believed about, you know, the system that she had never heard these things, but she had been believing those things. And so she was like, something we had done, something even I had done, had helped her reaffirm an instinct that she had, you know, and that, and that came through us doing this. Um, and recently my nephew, the son of my brother, who is like hardcore libertarian, you know, was like, you know, and was, I, I would have said more lean, more conservative. It's cool. I'm fine with that. Um, he was like reached out to me and he's like, I've been listening to what's left. And, uh, you know, I, 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 my ideas are changing. He said, and he goes, I want to, I hope I want to talk to you. And we're going to we're going to talk this Saturday actually. Um, and apparently he like pushed back against his boss. He works in a pizza place, you know, he, he's going to school someplace, but he works in a pizza place over the summer. And he pushed back on his boss who was kind of making life difficult for him, for my nephew and the coworkers. And, and my nephew's the one who stood up for it, the, everyone. And like, I was just very proud of, I think it's connected to some of the things we're doing, like him starting to say, I'm not going to put up this bullshit. And, you know, now he's sending me stuff about labor organizing going on around the country. You know, it's like, that's pretty incredible. And, um, you know, just the fact that this, this what's left has tightened my relationship with my mom has tightened my relation has continued my relationship with Brian, which I knew him in the ISO and when I was a socialist and we, we, we have a deep, he's like my best friend, but our political association ha has kind of more tends to drift off. And now what's left has allowed it to kind of continue and be a place that we can continue to kind of connect politically. Um, and of course my brother and his wife and all the stuff around COVID. I, and then have you all here, like we're all talking right now about these things it's uh, for me, I feel like the world is going to fucking hell. 
but I feel actually like I'm built the strongest fucking car of of connections and truth within that. And, it, and that's what I'm more present to. I'm more present to being inside that vehicle, not the world that's outside of it. And I know that there's a penetrate, but I feel my brother has taken a real a recent turn towards Christianity. I feel blessed by that. Um, and it's, uh, it's, I feel like what we're doing is a, is very much in the line of what Eduardo, you were talking about. We need to do. And, and I think Kenny, you, you breaking it down to, we have to start at a simple place that is home. Like that's just the starting point. And that has to be strong in order to build out. Um, and it's not like it has to be like, oh, you better get it strong. But it's just that's where you have to start to build the strength. Because otherwise, if you don't have that strength there, you're not you're just not going to be able to spread out from there. Um, and so that's those are the things that are coming up for me. And I knew I was going to sh share. This is what I was going to share about. But it's interesting to me that now that I've heard Kenny and Eduardo share, I do feel like these are all tied together. The only thing I can say is it's interesting how your brother has come to some some Christian way of seeing regarding the consequences of we've discussed before prison and, and the importance of uh, abolishing that because it's not working out through yeah, Christianity, I, through the lens wanna, of Christianity. Yeah, I want to yeah, I want to add to that because you we you and me talk about it, Eduardo, but I don't think I've shared it with Jessica and Kenny, but like my brother did basically Christian not mission work, but he was in a prison with a by because of his church. He was in a prison trying to help dads connect with their their children, with their kids, because they couldn't touch them because they were in prison. And now they get to. And just that experience was enough for him to say, Andy, remember how I used to like joke with you about oh getting rid of prisons? And you know, blah blah. He goes, I'm fucking done with prison. Let them all out. Let them all out. That's the beginning of making of of solving this problem. He goes, destroy those prisons. And he goes, what I saw in there was too much. And he wasn't seeing somebody get beat up. He was just seeing dads separated from their daughters or sons. And he goes, no, no fucking way that they can do that. You know, I that's destroying families. It's not building them up. And and he he spoke with passion about it. And I was like, I agree with you, but I actually feel like my brother was like, you know, it was just it was just interesting and really not interesting. It was reaffirming. It was very affirming experience to have. Good for him. I, I feel like, I don't know, I haven't heard of very many people who have actually been firsthand inside a prison and have like, you know, or just like, yeah, it's good. Everything's fine. Like, I don't know, I guess it's just sort of obvious, but the power of like experiential, like tangible witnessing and relationships. It's like. But it's one thing to say, all oh, these prisons are bad. It's another thing to say, release all these people. That's true. Yeah. And because his solution is not about destroying prisons. It's about releasing people. You know? That is the difference between reform and revolution, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, he's not trying to make prison more palatable, better. It's like, it, it needs to go. And, you know, it, it's beautiful because the people who run this world, right? We keep, we always bring it up. 
in, in the context of COVID lockdowns and all that, right? Like in, in the in technology, in mediators, right? In, in between us and ourselves and people, they know that bonds are, 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 are bonds are the most radical thing. You know, human bonds. At the mo that's the most radical thing that that has to fight this. You know, like what the, this monster that is being unleashed, or this evolution of this beast that we've been fighting. You know, we've been fighting. You know, its biggest enemy is human bonds. Yeah. Well, he, so that happened, and then he found he became Christian, or vice versa. Right. Or Christ, I think he he identified as identified. He became Christian. Um, <laughs> fuck, I what am I doing? Um, he became he became a Christian, and then he had that experience with his church. I think there's worse things that you could do than become Christian. <laughs> I'm. I endorse it. I endorse it. And I've, I've, I've been... um, one other thing I'll say, uh, and is it's, it, this has, this experience has reminded me, there was a person who wrote and was like, you guys don't, why don't you have more subs? Like you guys have been doing this for five years and you know, uh, you know, and it wasn't, he wasn't complaining with us. He was just like, what are they doing? And they're, they're keeping you down and da, 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 da. And I, yeah, that's going on and da, 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 da. But, this just reminds me that even though I will continue to look at that little sub subscriber thing and how many subs we got and blah, blah, blah. The reality is, is that's not what measures are what we're doing here. What measures what we're doing here is what happened with my nephew or my brother or my mother or Emma or anybody who pays attention to this. That it was in our life that we're connected to. And then it, it creates a resonance there. Um, that's all this is about. I mean, I, and I'm saying that knowing that I'm still going to follow the subs and get excited when we get over a thousand, blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> I'm just telling you, I know that that excitement is a false thing, that the reality is what is built on the ground as a result of what we're doing. And that's what it is. It's like, you'll literally know the people who you affect because you'll know them because they're in your fucking life. And that's what we're building. It's not some, and everyone who's watching, we love you. We appreciate you. Thank you. But this is really about, not just for us, but even for people watching, I, we, I believe this is about what you can physically touch around you as a result of this. If this show helps that, then, then it's doing its job. Shout out to Andy's mom. <laughs> Wait, say it again? I said shout out to Andy's mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who love wants... <laughs> Who's who's now become more partial to Jessica? Who probably used to Kenny used to be her the favorite guest. Now I think she's into Thanks. Jessica. <laughs> uh, I love it because I can't get my mom to listen to even like a single episode, yeah, so yeah. I appreciate it. Jess, what do you have to share? Okay, like everybody else brought like chips and dip to the potluck, and I brought like <laughs> I don't know, like fish or something. <laughs> 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 it's gonna be a loud card so i i have a lot of shit going on but one thing that i'm like in or whatever right now i am trying to rewire my brain uh regarding money and i'm kind of, i'm actually kind of nervous to like bring this up on the show just because i know a lot of people who watch and i mean and you got like two out of four of us are socialists i feel like i don't know maybe what i'm gonna say is very easily dismissible in terms of like 
applying a socialist framework or applying a I don't know, like a lot of the ways that we talk about the systems and the cages that we live within. But um, I don't know. I don't know why it's happening. Like I just turned 34. So 34 years or 33 years. Um, I feel like I, and this is mostly because of how I was raised. Like my parents were not particularly political or like extremely political, but they very much had that like, working class identity of like we're poor which like I don't know we weren't poor but like poor I mean what does poor mean poor like whatever it's such a relative term but we're poor and therefore we're virtuous and some people are rich and those people are bad they're on the other team and I feel like I have been almost like committed consciously and subconsciously to being poor and like having a a relationship of struggle to money for like my, my entire life and i just i'm like done with it <laughs> like not that i'm not like i i obviously like i still want my life to be in solidarity with workers and women and um the downtrodden or whatever but I am trying to been reading like a lot of Neville Goddard and stuff like that, like consciousness stuff. And this idea that like, if you change your consciousness, you can change your reality. Like it's not the other way around and that you can kind of create material changes in your life just by um, like shifting your thought patterns and shifting your language. So I'm trying really hard on like reading stuff and listening to stuff and meditating and also making like tangible, like it's not all just on the level of psychic, like I'm uh-huh. revisiting budgets and revisiting like, like trying to actually learn like, okay, I have all of these, you know, I have student loans and I have um, a very pitiful retirement account and I have a, a, somewhat pitiful salary but you know like I have I have money I have a little bit of money and you know what like what should I be like how can I I like make your money work for you or whatever um but yeah I'm like really trying to just totally change the narrative psychically spiritually materially um in an effort to one just like be happier even if I don't like make a penny more I think just shifting your mindset, like I, I mean, all of us, like we have very abundant like lifestyles in, in, in so many ways. Um, but yeah, I'm just kind of trying to like, I guess, unlearn some of the narratives that I feel like have been fed. And it doesn't mean that I don't like, I still want to, you know, capitalism fuck off, right? Like I would still like to tear down that system. Um, I think that capitalism and billionaires and, and all of these like powers that be victimize people. And I think they victimize me and all of you and all of us. Right. But I also think there's like, I don't know. I just, I I'm witnessing like people in my life. Um, not a lot of people in like direct okay family or like in-person circle but I see people like in the broader community who 
are able to recognize that these structures exist and they, they exploit people and that they suck. But then at a certain point, they decide like, I, what am what am I like gaining by just constantly viewing myself as a victim? Um, and especially when you start kind of reading, I don't know, some of the more like, like the Neville Goddard, for example, like, I don't know, like maybe it is, maybe it is possible to like attract more wealth just by changing your, your mindset and your narrative and your language. So I'm trying to give it a try uh, and not like identify as a victim <laughs> growing up. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm curious, like what you guys think. I know we all, we all complain a lot about capitalism and we probably get bored of it. Honestly, <laughs> Can I ask I, one question? Sorry. Oh, uh, maybe just um, what do you hope will be a result of this changed? What do you hope comes of this changed way of thinking? Well, I would like more money. <laughs> I would like more money. I mean, on a, like, I mean, and that, even just saying that, it, I mm-hmm. feel like 10 years ago or even five years ago, like, I probably would never even say a sentence like that, mm-hmm. like, outwardly, um, because it's, I sound like a town, ta- like a turncoat, you know, in the ideology that I was brought up in, like, you know, you're switching teams, but I'm not going to be Bill Gates. <laughs> I'm not going to be a billionaire or whatever. And I just, I, I like, it's, uh, I mean, all of like everything that we've all shared in this episode, right? Like the sort of grind of just like, yeah, just like the struggle of the average worker, right? Like just sucks so much of your life force out of you. And I don't, I don't necessarily, like I, I haven't found a way to like <laughs> eradicate that. Like, I agree with what you said, Kenny, like something like starting your own business or like trying to operate outside the system. Like, of course, um, I'm interested in those things, but I also think it's important not to like romanticize them. So it's not that I necessarily think like, oh, I can just switch up, you know, flick a switch in my brain and like (laughs) everything will be magically solved. But um, I mean, yeah, like I, I, I'm smart I'm creative I'm I can I I can find a way to like attract more wealth or make more money like I know I can um and I think from that you know comes like greater security it comes the ability to help more people in your community right um to be able to even just like stupid shit like to be able to outsource cleaning your house like to go back to Kenny's example earlier like I could pay somebody, you know, to come into my house for two hours a week. Um, Just little things like that, right? Like, would I, to me, like, actually transform your ability to kind of, um, you know, people talk about sort of, like, uh, living more within your, your, like, zone of genius or whatever of, like, like, I want to spend more of my time creating whether it's like the community center or women's circle or uh, writing poetry or like whatever it is that I want to create in the world. Um, I want more time to do that. Like I want more resources. I want to be able to put it out into the world. And so, yeah, I I think like, yeah, (laughs) I would like to have more money. (laughs) 
when when I hear money, like, like, I, I what I'm hearing from you, I hear from like my cousin who passed away. You know, like he he wanted to have money because like money means the ability to do, you know, like have some degree of freedom and autonomy, and you know, like, and that's exactly the reason why I am a socialist. You know, like I believe. That this system, you know, socialism as a lens to interpret in, in, in what's going on, you know, as to what we build, that's another question. But as to how this system works, and and so like again, this is one thing that people think that um, I, I used to have that mentality too, right? Of like you, you got to struggle, and I feel like a lot of people who are fighting the system think that they have to be poor. They cannot, you know, you you cannot buy this, you cannot consume that. You know, that's like an identity. Yeah. You know, like, I like nice things. You know, I like going to a good, nice vacation home. I've done that. You know, and people think that because I like nice things, that makes you a capitalist. You know, and, and, and I'm like, no, I'm a socialist because I want nice, nice things for everyone. You know, and like, that's a perfectly good thing that you want, you know, and like, I want it too. You know, I want nice things. I want freedom. You know, and like... Uh, you know, personally, I, I support you and I, you know, and wish you, you know, whatever that means for you. You know, obviously you have a great consciousness. For me personally, I struggle with finding something that brings me more money without, you know, like my consciousness being compromised. Yeah. And because I, 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 you know, from my lens, like money is just a thing. Money, especially in the U.S., is not even real. You know, these motherfuckers just print this shit. You know, and you just got to be in the certain spaces, you know, in order to grab it, you know, and like I, I, I in my feeds actually right now on YouTube, <laughs> I get a lot of these people who talk about money and I actually do believe them that the money is there to be grabbed. But, you know, in order to grab it, you have to have a certain mentality that I just don't have, you know, and, and maybe and I'm, and I'm willing to explore other ways, you know, like there's something that I do love. And have some sort of degree of autonomy because obviously when we're institutionalized in our jobs, you know, it, that feels like a fucking prison, you know. And, and so I don't blame, like, this has happened. A lot of people are going in the entrepreneurial way in order to get that, you know, but there is also a cost, you know, at least for me, because like this system, like, we all want the magic bullet, we all might the golden goose. And there are some holes, there are some loopholes. You know, but the people who actually have that golden goose and sustain it, I feel, they just play the game as it is. And they see the fucking game as it is, as this vicious competitive system, you know, uh, in, in order to stay on top. Because as we, you know, I think Lips and I talked about it, we, we see this as a, an anarchical competitive system that the most vicious will survive and stay on top. You have to keep climbing. That's why mono, mo monopolies happen, right? And then imperialism and all that shit. And so my, my point is that I love what you want in, in like to fellow socialists or whatever. You don't have to strive for poverty. Fuck that shit. You know, I want abundance for everyone. Thanks, Kenny. <laughs> I have thoughts, thoughts too. Um, Eduardo, do you want to go next or should I go? Uh, you can go. Why is it so dark over there with your thing? Because if I turn this light on, it's very okay, you're good. It's okay. A... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're good. 
Um, I guess it was interesting, Jessica, because earlier, earlier I accused you of being the least of quote emotional, like maybe sometimes the least vulnerable of us. Um, I'm not sure that's true. I actually think this, on this episode, you've been the most, um, and I appreciate that. Um, I think you've taken the biggest risk, you know, by talking about things this way. Um, I, first off, I, 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 I do think money is important but i also do think money is a trap and i i have that there's that whole thing they they build a trap where you the, the the animal has to reach its hand in and grab the nuts and then it when it grabs the nuts it can't pull its hand out kind of thing that's how i do think that ultimately money is nevertheless the the, the thing that was so i and i do think it's like like money is the difference between whether me and brandy stay here in this place that i like that's comfortable or we have to go somewhere else that would be a tougher grind, you know? So it, it, and, and it can, it's going to be digital at some point potentially. And, and then they're going to do something else. It's a control mechanism as well, whatever. But I think the biggest thing I heard that was meaning, meaningful to me is when you talked about how your idea about money is rooted in that past I, with your family, like it wasn't something you just came to. It was like built in. You never got a chance to, to decide for yourself what your own real values were in relationship to this thing. And so what I, what I celebrate for you or support is you saying, you know, that, that was there because of that. And I want to open things up for myself. Like that journey, I do think is one that everyone has to go on. And it, in some ways it's like what I, like when I say I support my brother in his Christianity, I support his journey towards his own truth. Um, not because I'm a Christian. and I personally think you you may find that some of the things you thought you were going to find might not give give back to you in what they did, but you won't find you don't get to find that out unless you go on that journey. And so that's what what I appreciate is you going like, how did I come to this? Well, I came to this because of that, and I didn't get to choose, but and I want to choose. I want to I want to be able to choose what my life is about. That is part of freedom, and so. You know, I trust you and I support what you're doing because I think it's you are attempting to liberate yourself. For me, it's not so much the, liber the liberation as released the money as much as the as the, the the allowing yourself to go. Wait, why do I believe that? Do I really believe that as a value or do I did I just was that constructed into me? And is that me or not? And you're kind of saying, well, I'm, I'm not going to find out unless I I let that go and try to go find out. What comes of me just giving myself permission? Um, so I, I support you. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that totally makes sense. And I think that, it, I mean, I don't really know like what, in terms of like my relationship to money or like how I think of it, you know, people say money is energy. People say money is evil. People say all sorts of stuff. But I think it is for me, maybe like it's getting to take that journey of like, figuring out like my own relationship to it instead of just the inherited one. I don't know. And obviously like, of course it's trap. Like we've learned from the trucker protests and all the, um, you know, digital currency shit. Like, yeah, they can just turn it off. <laughs> like you can spend your whole life building wealth and then just, boop, it's gone. Right. Um, so I think if that's, 
if money is like truly what you think of as wealth and abundance, and that's only how you think of that, then yeah, you're, you're uh, probably in for a, (laughs) in for a ride. Like, obviously it's, you know, relationships and health and all that kind of stuff, but yeah, we'll see. I will, I will report back. Maybe I'll be rich and <laughs> this time. An old acquaintance from like the Bay Area used to tell me that he loved talking to me because he got ideas of where to invest in, <laughs> you know, like what kind of weapons and technologies and shit is happening. So you might have a, a, an avenue there if you want to just want to make money. <laughs> <laughs> I'd more <those> face. <laughs> <laughs> well... Share some of that wealth so that I can fund and take and bring it. Yeah, we're going to start a, a community center. Good. <laughs> uh, uh, I think I, I, I resonate with, uh, with Kenny's thoughts on money as well. I think what, what that speaks to is just, you know, how we're enslaved into our jobs and how we sometimes do things we don't want to do and therefore uh, we don't we we do the things we don't want to do because we're trying to survive and we're human we also need to do things that feed our soul or in many cases many people escape right so they take long vacations or whatever and those things cost things and i know uh growing up with a mother that spent lavishly it was always a need to escape (laughs) and we would spend our times in many hotels and cruises and I hated that life but I also found it refreshing when I would leave and not have to be in stress in the circumstances we were growing up in so I see how sometimes that's that was what was necessary for my mother for us it was to escape in my case you know the, the desire to live comfortably and on top of doing the things that are already stressful, such as supporting my family or organizing work, all these things, it's like, you, how do you, how do you live comfortably if you live in a expensive city and you also try to help other people and you're supporting other people? It's no wonder why I could see myself as well needing more money as well so that I'm able to do those things. You're not able to do everything. Having uh, holding down the job as well as uh, trying to maintain your mental well-being and supporting others and then still trying to do other things like, you know, in your case, I see, Jessica, you do a lot of home uh, remedies and yoga. And these things are a contribution to, I believe, when you give your classes, a contribution to someone else's well-being, um, someone else's mental well-being, which isn't your your full-time source of income, I believe. If I'm So how do you then sustain what could be helpful to someone else when you also have to hold down a job that keeps you afloat in a society? So it's like, I, I see how the necessity to, to have more abundance, the economic freedom is, in this society, in the way the system works, uh, able to do so many other things. Uh, there are so many things I know I can do, given the economic freedom that I have. Not like I'm rich. I really am not. But the fact that I don't have to think about my living situation because I have two parents who have homes and I have a home in Mexico 
and I don't have to think about being homeless. That's that 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 that's a very big deal in a very expensive city like San Francisco. The fact that I have a home a homeowner as my parent and and that I'm a I'm a I'm I'm that's my inheritance. Not this is not like but the fact that that I have that even if it's not the most prettiest house, it's not a mansion in SF, but the fact that you have what's deemed as yours in a city gives you freedom to think about other things. You know, I have the possibility, and this is really opening up a little bit more personal thing, and I hate saying this, but I have two homes. I have a, a home in the Excelsior District. I have a home at the University of San Francisco because of my partner. And I have a home to go to in Mexico if I want to. And when I'm in Colombia, I don't have to think about those things because I never stay in a hotel. I just stay with friends and they have one in particular has home that I could just, it's like immediately you can think of other things. I know this for a fact. I don't have to think about where I'm going to sleep, you know? And that is something I see when people come here to this country and I experienced it firsthand last year, finding homes for people. It, it is, it's, it's like, it's like it overwhelms you. And so I can only imagine if you have to think about other things, your, your expenses and everything. Like I, how many people can say, Oh, I'll just sleep at the university of San Francisco and have the whole summer uh, where students are not here and you have multiple dorms available to you. Jess, you've been here, you've seen this. And it's like, you have, you can just, it, empty spaces. And so, so what this conversation regarding money uh, uh, does for me is I would love to see everyone have the capacity to use their full mental capacities to be able to think outside of what their survival mechanism is trying to do, which is overtake them and just do, you know, um, overwhelmed. People are overwhelmed with, with other things on their minds instead of actually thinking creatively, for example. That's one example, right? Anyhow, that's it. That's my comment to that. I'm not sure if anyone else, I have nothing else to add to that. Well, one, just one other thing that kind of, I don't know, just came up when you were talking, uh, maybe a couple points back, but um, I think part of it too is just the whole, like what other people think mm. thing, which is insane. Like that we're grown adults and that still affects so many of us, but I think there's like, I mean, obviously there's a level of like protection to some degree, false protection or temporary protection that money brings. But I think there is also like a protection or like a self preservation with kind of like poverty mindset and like kind of identifying as like, you know, someone, someone who struggles and someone who's just like, like, I'm always just going to struggle to like, pay rent or whatever it may be um and I think like for me growing up like there there is like a certain element of shame around being poor or being like poorer like I remember going over to like rich quote-unquote rich kids you know homes when I was younger and sort of like feeling ashamed that like my house didn't look like that but also like oh, I wouldn't want to be like on their team. 
Like I would never want to have like a nice kitchen like that. Not because I don't want a nice kitchen like that, but because of what it would like represent. And so I think that it's just like a weird double-edged sword, at least in my mind of like, there's shame associated with being poor. But then I think there's actually an even greater sense of shame in my mind with like the potential, even just the idea of being like rich, whatever that would mean. Um, you know, like, like people are going to judge you for being poor, <laughs> like imagine how much they would judge you for being secure, let's say like not even wealthy, but anyway, yeah, blah, blah, blah. that's all I got. So you, you got to buy new friends when you got money. <laughs> yes. Maybe I can go on Facebook marketplace. <laughs> I, I am. And I'm going to remove this if you don't think this fits, but there's one thing that also comes up for me. and I wonder if it's fitting in and it's, it's related to being a teacher um, that I wonder if this is also, because this is true for me, um, is both you and I, Jessica, have known for a long time that education is fucked, public, even public education, because of how we look at capitalism. We know it's an institution under capitalism. I believe we both knew this in our heads. Personally, I have become in my heart closer to that notion of how fucked it is. My my heart is now caught up to my head, essentially, around that by virtue of what my last, the several last several years of remote education and what it exposed to me about the education system. But I will say, I think I have ca carried for a long time an illusion about my job, which was true. I I felt good about my job. I felt good about my work. And that meant that I I was getting a wage, which is what a job really does. And then I also got an additional feel good about what I'm doing in it. And that has been severed now. That is more deeply severed. And so it's more like I can feel almost for myself, can, can I find a way of earning a wage that feels more in line with my own values, which I, I at least had the illusion that what I was doing was more in line. And now I feel like I'm being separated from the illusion more and more. I mean, I still love talking with parents and forming a relationship with ch children, but it's in this criminal institution that I'm doing it in. And so, you know, I'm now, I'm now no different than Goldman Sachs, banker, whatever. I just don't feel that. I feel I'm the same person. Like I'm in that same devil realm, you know? And so I want, I wonder if that's a piece of also looking for it's pursuing a, a dollar that, is that is more aligned with your beliefs and values, which is what I feel like I had before in some ways. Yeah, that I definitely agree with that. I mean, I also think there's an element of, and I think it's maybe actually worse at the in higher ed because I know like I could have made way more money if I would have gone to teach high school, which is insane. Like we do all these extra years and get the PhD, and then like my salary is way lower than all of the high school teachers that I know. Yeah. Um, and I think there is like also just witness witnessing like my partner and his job, like he like the way that he advocates for uh, raises and there's I don't know, like part of it's just his personality, but part of it is just like practical like choices and actions. And I think there's like, yeah, if, if we want to talk about like poverty mindset, I think it's like really rampant among te like teachers. Like a lot of us feel like we're these like martyrs of like 
saving the children of America. And it's like, no, first of all, these institutions are totally fucked and they're just <laughs> robots. And second of all, like we're not even being paid for like the amount of hours I work, the amount of like effort I put into my job for what I'm paid is like embarrassing. Like it is embarrassing. Um, which I'm not saying like, Oh, I'm such hot shit, but I'm just saying like, we are, we are being exploited. And then we are also like being paid to exploit. And yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I feel that I would throw in like a lot of people in the nonprofit and like the humanities world that, you know, they feel good about what they're doing and they're getting shit, you know, at the same time from these institutions and, you know, until they see that what they're doing is also part of the same fucking system, you know, because I've seen some people just pop out and be like, I'm out of this bullshit. It's, yeah. it's like they pay them shit, you know, like non-profit people with like high degrees of, you know, college education and, That's why I rather serve tables, and I was making <laughs> way more money than a lot of teachers. <laughs> yeah. But not anymore. That has changed, and so <laughs> that's a hole that's going. How much do you want for a babysitter, Kenny? <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. Right now, I can't afford it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I would babysit for free if I was. Uh... <laughs> it's a long way to babysit, though. <laughs> <Jessica>. <laughs> I do. I do have mileage. <laughs> well if you get her in front of a screen there then she go. can babysit through zoom <laughs> just put a sapper on her like <laughs> <laughs> oh, lord awful this is awful this is a joke <laughs> the future the, the the dystopian future yeah all right let's bring us back over there's a oh, lot to edit. just good to have everyone back this was awesome i really yeah, it. yeah. thank you for having me back and yeah. we'll be back for a little while right now <laughs> yes so anyhow let we will conclude now all right so here we go all right but that does it for this week's episode and um, what's left is a weekly political podcast as channel challenging the mainstream left we post information about our topics and our guests on the episode notes wherever you found this episode or on our blog at what'sleftpodcast.com you can find past episodes to this podcast slash channel there and connect with us and remind folks if you like anything you have heard here please subscribe rate you turn on your notifications or maybe you don't want to do any of that but that's up to you any of our platforms on spotify itunes podcast Stitcher, google play bit shoot odyssey youtube rumble or telegram uh, and if you can, if you would like to find our blog, you can find it in the links in the episode notes where you found this episode. And if you would like to give us feedback about something you've heard or suggest something for us to cover, contact us through our blog. I keep thinking about that person from Bristol who has not been on our show and who wrote to us and thank you very much. And I have a bias because I love Bristol when I was in England. So I'm Eduardo Barca with co-hosts. And hey, hold Kenny on, Smith. hold on. Bristol, Bristol is in Wales, right? No, it's in England. Oh, there's this dude, Ren who's an awesome rapper who's from around, I think claims from like Bristol, but anyway. <laughs> I know because I, I, I had to stay there for some time. So no, it's in England. So. <laughs> right, Jess? <laughs> okay, well, I was rapping our outro, so just Sorry. let me finish this. <laughs> 
I'm Eduardo Marquez, co-host Jessica Kenny Cepeda and Andy Lipson, and you can find our social media handles as at Don Eduardo, Don Eduardo Barca and at ZTKE on Instagram and just to the as at jcomedy89. Thank you all for listening. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kenny, for being here, and we'll catch you next time. Ciao.